Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. We continue this morning with our sermon series, Predicting Jesus. This is the second to last sermon in this series. I hope you have enjoyed this series. One of the reasons why we wanted to embark upon this five-week series was because we realized that our last series in 2 Thessalonians had a lot to do with Jesus and his second coming. So what we wanted to do this time was focus on Jesus and his first coming, but we wanted to look at Old Testament prophecy about his first coming and then its fulfillments in the New Testament. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we gather together this morning to continue to worship you, but this moment we transition to the proclamation of your word. Lord, I pray that we allow your word to penetrate our hearts so we can allow your spirit to convict us. We want to be encouraged in that conviction towards you and your good news, your gospel that is made possible by the name of Jesus. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. You should recognize this Hollywood classic. If you don't recognize it, it's from the movie Castaway. Tom Hanks right here and his imaginary friend, the volleyball named Wilson. That's right. For those of you that don't know the movie, it came out back in the year 2000. Tom Hanks worked for Federal Express. His plane went down. He was deserted or abandoned, shall we say, on a deserted island. See, this movie's significant, though. As we think of our sermon series, Predicting Jesus, it's significant for us as an illustration as we think about Jesus and his first coming and what actually happened to him. Because... Abandonment and solitude can be as devastating as physical torture. Allow me to just list a few of the health problems associated with abandonment and solitude. Anxiety, stress, panic attacks, hypersensitivity to sounds and smells, Hallucination, I can't even say that today. Hallucinations. Thank you, we're clapping for that as well. First, you guys want my vacation to be ruined, and now you're not joking. Paranoia. These are just a few of the effects of solitude and abandonment. Tom Hanks' character as depicted in this image, is outwardly expressing each one of these health problems. If you've seen the movie, you understand why. In his solitude, in his abandonment, in his isolation, he ended up turning a volleyball that came off of that plane into a companion, an imaginary Companion. And in the movie, he did this for four years. For four years, he was abandoned. 
Brothers and sisters, what Jesus experienced is far worse. What Jesus experienced is far worse. Because after all, we cannot forget that he wasn't just crucified, buried, and resurrected. Jesus was abandoned. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. And that title is this, Forsaken by God. Forsaken by God. We're going to be in a few different passages this morning. First, we're going to be in Psalm 1, Matthew 27, and 2 Corinthians 5. The verses, like every other Sunday, will be on the screen for you. But we must remember last week, Pastor Jared encouraged us in the crucifixion of Jesus. See, we were reminded that the truth of the Bible is proven by its prophecies about the crucifixion itself. We were also reminded that the only way God could redeem us, the only way in which he could redeem us was to lay our sin upon Jesus. Today we're going to be encouraged in much of the same we're going to get a behind-the-scenes glimpse of how Jesus suffered. We're going to get a behind-the-scenes glimpse of the punishment that Jesus himself experienced on our behalf. So with all that being said, let's get into our text this morning, starting with Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Matthew 27 and 46 states, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lima shabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21 states, all that is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. All these verses bring us to this one main idea, this one sentence that defines everything that we're going to learn or be encouraged in this morning, and that sentence states this, our relationship with God was restored through a forsaken and shamed Jesus. Our relationship with God 
was restored through a forsaken and shamed Jesus. Now, as you observe the image of this volleyball, please remember, because of what Jesus did for us, because of what Jesus did for us, we will never have to speak to a Wilson volleyball in eternity. And we recognize this from Psalm 22.1 and Matthew 27.46. Psalm 22.1, David writes, David says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, the word forsaken actually represents abandonment. It's like David saying, God, why have you abandoned me? See, Jesus did not just feel abandoned by God himself. No, no, uh-uh, no. He didn't just feel abandoned. No, Jesus was abandoned by God. Therefore, Psalm 22 represents the only semblance of hope in a very hopeless situation. See, Psalm 22 originated with David, but was authenticated in Jesus. So when Jesus said, Eli, Eli, Lima, Shabbatani, which is the Hebrew slash Aramaic way of saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was not paraphrasing Psalm 22. That's not what Jesus was doing here. No, he was quoting Psalm 22 verbatim. And when Jesus said what he said, he had Psalm 22, 1 in mind. Now, it's true that David's written expression in Psalm 22 did, in fact, have a partial fulfillment in his life. So we cannot deny that, but we need to be able to stick to the theme of our sermon series, the series that we've named Predicting Jesus. And in doing that, it would be fitting for us to observe Psalm 22 as prophecy as well. So not only was it fulfilled in David's era to David himself, but it can also be looked upon as being prophecy. It's prophetic because after all, the apostle Peter called David a prophet in the book of Acts chapter 2. Brothers and sisters, however, at this stage in the game, let's ponder this abandonment. Let's think about what it is that we're actually talking about here, about being forsaken or being abandoned. See, this abandonment was God exhausting his wrath upon sin. This is God punishing Jesus for what we did. Now, I know a lot of us don't necessarily like hearing that. We don't like to think of God as being this holy deity that is willing to exhaust his entire wrath. And we can't forget when we use the word exhaust, that means there's nothing left to give. 
All of the punishment that God was able to conjure up against sin, He put on Jesus. He put our sin on Jesus. And humanly speaking, we understand the psychological effects associated with solitude and abandonment. Because the end result of this wrath was Jesus being abandoned. Our example from the movie Castaway serves us well. Anxiety, stress, panic attacks, hypersensitivity to smells and sounds, hallucinations. See, I got it right that time. Flew right off the tongue or just flowed right off the tongue. Paranoia, all of which explains the reason why Tom Hanks' character was talking to a volleyball. See, it's one thing for us to be abandoned by God. After all, let's face it, we are the hell-deserving sinners. However, it's entirely something else for God to abandon himself. Think about that. I mean, we're the hell-deserving sinners. We should be the one that's abandoned. But God abandoned Jesus. Therefore, if we have a healthy understanding of the Trinity, we know that God didn't just abandon Jesus. He abandoned Himself. See, even atheists walk this earth even those who deny the existence of God still walk on earth under the presence of the Lord. So whether you believe in God or not, whether or not Jesus is your Savior or not, as we speak right now, you are still in the presence of the Lord. But God took on human form and left his own presence. That goes beyond speaking to a volleyball. That goes beyond just a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of stress. That goes beyond seeing hallucinations. See, we have no way of comprehending what it is that Jesus went through. But we know that he was forsaken by God. As it was predicted in Psalm 22.1. As it is backed up in the New Testament in Matthew 27. Church, allow me to say it again. Because of what Jesus did for us, we will never speak to a Wilson in eternity. This is the good news. This is the gospel. So when David asks, why are you so far from me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, we know that God was only far from Jesus so that he could be relationally close to us. That's the gospel. 
Jesus was forsaken so God could be in relationship with us for all of eternity. And this brings us to our first point this morning, and it's simple. Jesus was lost so we could be found. Jesus was lost so that we could be found. Now, that's important as we move forward. Think about that. So that we could be found. Just, just remember, we don't do the finding. Once again, our main idea this morning is this. Our relationship with God was restored through a forsaken and shamed Jesus. Our relationship with God was restored through a forsaken and shamed Jesus. See, upon our first birth, our hearts were not compatible with God. We were missing the final piece to our heart's puzzle. The one piece that could make our hearts compatible. Brothers and sisters, that one piece that could make our heart compatible to God's heart is none other than Jesus himself. And we see precisely this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. Quite clearly, and right out the gate, we understand that God is the source. He is the source. He is the originator. And he abandoned Jesus, the Messiah, or as we can now say with confidence, he abandoned himself. He was separated from himself for the sole purpose of reconciliation. He separated himself from himself in order to reconcile us to him. In other words, it's like our main idea states, and we use this in the past tense, our relationship with God was restored. See, God reconciled us to himself by inserting the missing piece to our puzzled heart. After all, before Jesus came into our lives, our hearts were not compatible with God's. God is the one who inserted the missing puzzle piece. We didn't insert that missing puzzle piece. God inserted the missing puzzle piece. Therefore, reconciliation is not something that we do. We may think that we're the ones that do the work, but we are not the ones who have done this work. See, God himself 
was the one that was forsaken. He was the one that experienced the panic, the anxiety, the stress, the hypersensitivity, the hallucinations. He was the one that experienced the paranoia. And quite honestly, I don't even think this list that we've gone over now for the third time actually does justice to what Jesus actually experienced. I believe that this is just an example for our little human minds to try to comprehend some of which that in which God went through himself by being abandoned or forsaken. And he did this. And he did this so we can spend eternity with him. After all, we already see what happens to a human in solitude. When we're left with nobody else to speak to but ourselves, we see what happens. Humans want to be in relationship. The only problem is we're incapable of being in a relationship correctly without Jesus. And that's why he put the missing puzzle piece into our heart so we could be in a relationship with him that's not just temporary, not just for the moment, not just to get us through whatever it is that we find ourselves going through week in and week out. No, he did this for us so we can be in relationship with him for the rest of eternity. And, and speaking of this and everything that he's done, brothers and, and sisters, for our sake, it is important for us to be encouraged in the truth that God became the creation. God still created us knowing that he was going to have to go to the cross anyway. Our God is not a God that needs a plan B. Our God is a God who makes a plan and follows it through. When he created, he knew that this was going to happen. He is all-knowing. But yet, his love for us Put him in a position to experience the worst agony anyone could ever experience. And yet he was willing to do it as a holy God first and foremost. So he could be in relationship with his creation. You are that important to the Lord. The Lord loves you that much. Now, there are two things to note at this point, though. And first, let's look at verse 18 where he says, He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And secondly, in verse 19, he says, He is entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Church, we have a responsibility. 
We have a responsibility, and it's a great responsibility at that. And we need to understand first and foremost that the word ministry here means to serve. So we have a responsibility to serve one another. We are to serve others by simply proclaiming God's reconciliation via his being forsaken. That's the job of a believer. That's the job of the church. The church's job is to share Christ and Him crucified for the sin of the world. Our job is not to change the world. Our job is to share the one who can save us from what's going to happen to a world that's going to be destroyed because of sin. And we know what God did for us, therefore we can go. That's why we have no, grow, go. Know Jesus, grow in Jesus, go with Jesus. We want to be a church that is used to share the good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that work a component of that work is his being forsaken. An example of reconciliation, an excellent example of reconciliation comes to us from the Bible. Most of us have heard of the story of the prodigal son. See, too often we get that story wrong. We miss nuances within that story. But really quickly, we'll just break this down. Two sons, one wealthy father, they're both owed an inheritance. One wants his inheritance early. He's the slacker. The other son is willing to wait patiently for his. He's the hard worker. The slacker goes out. For all intents and purposes, he's abandoned. He's in solitude from the decisions that he ended up making. Squandered all of his inheritance. Comes crawling back home. And the father welcomes him with open arms. The other son, in his pride, he took pride in his patience pride in his hard work, said, he doesn't deserve the celebration, Dad, that you're giving him. Look what he did. Look at me, what I'm doing. I'm the one that deserves this celebration. We can't be the son full of pride because God wants to use us like he used the Father to see reconciled relationships come back to the Lord and he will work through us which is why we say go go into the relationships that the Lord has you in in your life so you can be an example of that missing puzzle piece so you can show people that without the Lord they're unable to correctly be in a relationship with anybody Ultimately, when we do this, people come to a saving faith in the work of Jesus. 
Brothers and sisters, we're called to do just that. And in verse 20, we know this is true because what does it say? It says, ambassadors for Christ, that is us. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. See, God will reveal himself to others through us. He may just use you to reveal himself to somebody else. We need to let others know about that missing puzzle piece to our heart's puzzle. We need to let others know that it has, in fact, been reconciled. We need to let others know that we are now all complete in Jesus if we have faith in him. Church, we cannot get this component of the gospel wrong. See, as ambassadors, we have the privilege of representing God's reconciliation, especially to the lost, especially to a lost society who thinks that it's earned. That's the fundamental problem. See, society, this world, believes that reconciliation to the Lord is contingent upon what they do themselves. has nothing to do with our work. But it has everything to do with our response. If we respond to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus by repenting from our sin and turning back towards God in faith, then God has reconciled us back to him because of what he has done. And most notably of what we're seeing here this morning is that Jesus was abandoned. He was forsaken for the very purpose of bringing us back to him in relationship. I could not imagine as a human being separated from God, let alone being God myself and separating myself from myself, the lengths in which the Lord was willing to go to restore us into relationship with him is amazing. And we have a responsibility because last time I looked, I don't trust this world. I don't trust what's going on. But also, I have reason not to. We have reason not to because we know the end game. We know how this ends. And we know the only cure is Christ and Him crucified. And we know the only cure is that simple. Trusting him, turning from our sin, and turning back towards God in faith in Jesus. So as Joe comes up here and joins me, I'd like to just read our final verse out loud. This is a profound verse. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This verse captures the essence of the gospel. 
This verse captures the essence of the good news of salvation. This is how we've been reconciled. See, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus was shamed on our behalf. Jesus was shamed so that we could become the righteousness, as it says, of God. The missing piece to our heart's puzzle was not the guilty one. So neither was he guilty, nor could they find guilt in him. However, he was treated as being guilty, all because he traded places with us, the real guilty party. Oh, how he was. Oh, how he was forsaken by God in order to do so. And this brings us to our second and final point this morning. Restoration to God is received. It's not earned. Restoration to God is received. It is not earned. God earned our restoration for us. Is that not good news? Who doesn't want to hear that good news? It's our job to share that good news with those who do not know it. Again, our first point this morning stated this. Jesus was lost so we could be found. Jesus was lost so we could be found. And finally, our main idea this morning stated this. Our relationship with God was restored through a forsaken and shamed Jesus. Lord, I pray that we can continue to grow in you. I pray that we can continue to be used as a body of believers to encourage others in you. But also, Lord, I pray that you use us to share your good news of salvation. What a time that we live in to do that, Lord. To be able to contrast those who do not know you with those who do, Lord. And as we are those who know you, please mature us as believers to be a bright light in a dimly, almost pitch black lit world. We pray this in the name of Jesus who makes all of this possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.